Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Loving God, break open our hearts. Break open our minds. In this time, change us. Challenge us. Comfort us. And empower us to be your people, full of grace and truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you now to stand and sing our first song. Just a closer walk. 
teaching confirmation last year, one of the youth was asking, why in worship do we do this confession mission sequence? It's kind of a buzzkill, they said. And we do it right at the beginning of worship, and it just feels weird. And, and the response was, that in Jesus' life and in God's encounters with the people in the Old Testament, God and Jesus care about relationships. They care about writing relationships and living reconciled lives together. So that's what we do each week. We ask for forgiveness of God and we ask for forgiveness for one another. And like what Dawn said in her sermon a few weeks ago, this is practice so that when we mess up this week, we can ask for forgiveness again. So please join me in the prayer of admission printed in your program. Loving God, so often we choose not to love. We choose not to care. We choose to exclude we choose to fuel fires of hatred. Free us from our destructive choices. Help us to right our wrongs. Help us to be kind, loving, and just. Help us to follow Jesus.
as we confess, we remember. We remember Jesus who hung from the cross, the cross that we put him on. And he looked out at the crowd and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, we still don't know what we are doing and we still are given forgiveness. Let us give it freely to one another and live at peace with God and each other. Alleluia. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Deuteronomy. It's printed in your program if you want to follow along with me. I'm reading chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Listen now for God's word for you. This is really tall. (laughs) See, I have set before you today life and prosperity death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God and walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall certainly perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Choose life so that your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of God for the people of God. Title today's sermon is Choose Life. How many of you guys have played the game Four Corners? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the leader shouts out something like sandwiches and then points to different corners and says like ham and cheese, chicken salad, turkey, roast beef, and you gotta get up and go to the corner that represents your preference. Some of y'all are getting nervous. You think I'm about to make you play. (laughs) I kinda want to, but there are too many of you. So I just want you to visualize, okay? I'm gonna give you some choices and I want you to think about where you would go, all right? Are you the kind of person who always walks in the marked crosswalks? Or are you the person who has been known to occasionally jaywalk? Y'all aren't giving anything away. I'm trying to read your faces, you're not giving anything away. Are you the person who always waits for that nice airline person to call your zone to board the plane? Or do you walk confidently and board before your plane ticket says? Are you someone who always follows the speed limit, you are at it or under because it's a limit, y'all know? Or have you been known to go, I don't know, like two, mi- two, five, ten miles over the speed limit? You know yourself, don't be lying. 
You know the people probably sitting around you where they might show up. I'll go ahead and let you know my choices. I don't hate me. I have been known to jaywalk from time to time. Sometimes I scare the people around me. I have been known to try to get on the plane before my zone is called with success. <laughs> but I don't really speed. That's a, that's a rule I tend to follow. Occasionally, I'll come across someone who um, likes to break the rules, you know, especially those rules that don't make any sense, you know? Like I can always guarantee they're probably gonna skirt the rule a little bit. Or I'll come across someone who will follow every single rule to a T, no questions asked. But most of the time, I find that people are somewhere in the middle, right? Like maybe, maybe the majority of rules we follow, but there's a few that just do not make sense to us. So we're not following them, but they're different for different people. Well, there are plenty of rules in our Holy Bible. In fact, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those make up what we call the Torah, the law, according to Moses and the prophets. And if we were to read the first five books of the Bible together, which power to you, they are dense historical documents. If we were to go home and read all of those, there might be some laws in there that could surprise you. Like, did you know that according to Leviticus 19, we're not supposed to shave our heads or trim our beards? According to Leviticus 19, we aren't supposed to wear clothes that are a blend of materials. Barbecue pork? Nope. Leviticus 17. I'm not even going to mention football on Saturdays and Sundays because that is sacred to us. And y'all already know what Leviticus would say. So depending on where you fall on this rule-following litmus test, if you will, you may ask, why have rules if we aren't going to follow them? Fair point. These rules in the Torah, they were written down some 700 years before Jesus. So that's like 2,700 years before us. They were written for a particular community at a particular time in history. And they were, they were written with the intention of keeping the community safe from harm. They were all written in response to a challenge of that particular day. And some of those challenges we don't face anymore. Like we have figured out how to trim a beard without causing harm, right? And it's reflected in scripture. You'll see different rules and different books of the Bible about cutting hair. Apparently we care a lot about it. It's people of God. There are rules that have changed, but there are several rules that have remained steadfast from the time of Moses all the way to today. Rules like the Ten Commandments, don't worship other gods, do not steal, do not murder. Those have stuck around, right? And for good reason. The purpose of these laws given to Moses and the, and the prophets, they are to help God's people understand where God is in their life. Those rules, they help them answer the question, where is God in this? If they feel cursed, they attribute it to not following enough of the rules and they might adjust their behavior. If they feel blessed, then they're gonna praise themselves for following the rules well. Well, you and I, our understanding of God's presence in our life, it has shifted course a little bit over the last 
few thousands of years. You may remember Jesus saying, I have come to fulfill the law, meaning Jesus doesn't want us to just turn our eye on all of the Old Testament. He knows those Old Testament scriptures. He wants us to dig through them, but he also wants us to use a lens, a lens of of Jesus, our ultimate teacher, decipher through which rules do we need today for our community to be safe, for our community to follow and walk in the ways of Jesus. And believe it or not, even before Jesus, this scripture in Deuteronomy points to that. If you look with me at verse 16, Verse 16 says, we must obey the commandments in order to live and be blessed. And the way we do that is by loving the Lord our God, by loving. This is the key through which all of the law are understood, the spirit of love. So when we look at all these rules in the Bible, we are to ask ourselves, is this aligning with love of God, with love of self, with love of neighbor? before taking the rule at face value. Sometimes I think God has a sense of humor, like asking me who can be a rule, mm, I'm a rule follower sometimes, you know, to preach a sermon about the importance of rule, like that's funny to me. So I decided I would call up some of my friends who always follow the rules and I wanted to ask them, why are the rules important to you? Here's what they said. One person said, Dawn, she laughed at me first of all because she knows I jaywalk all the time and it makes her very uncomfortable. She said, I could not function without rules. I couldn't do it. I like the structure. I like knowing exactly what the expectation is and then how to meet it. Rules can do this to us. They can make us feel safe, both in perception and in reality. Like if you walk in a crosswalk, you most likely are more safe that way. Signs are intentionally placed, right, to let drivers know that you're there. You have the right of way. So not only are you safer from the danger of being hit, but you're also safe from getting a ticket, right? Safe from not getting in trouble. Rules can also do this thing where they layer, level the playing field. That's what another friend said to me. They like that rules take away unfair advantages. Rules are good, except when they aren't. Think about that rule, I don't know when it used to exist, where you had to write with your right hand no matter what. Y'all remember that rule? That was not really cool to people who are left-handed, right? So then once we learned that people are are left-handed, we could adjust that rule, adjust our expectations. Amending rules is important. They have to stay in line with the spirit of the law, the intent that God spoke to Moses and the prophet. A friend of mine who really loves the Constitution, like she talks about it all the time, she talks about how it is such an incredible document of the greatest hopes and dreams of our country, a North Star pointing us to where, who we want to be. And she said, the Bill of Rights, those speak to the core of who we are in this nation. But it became pretty clear to us that we couldn't stop at 10, that we needed to add Amendment 11 and 12 and 14 and 19, so too. In the biblical law, we are to interpret the laws through the most important law, which is to love the Lord our God. Jesus tells us the most important commandments are about love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That most important law frames every decision that we make. God is after our hearts. 
God wants us to hold on to God above everything else. God wants us to depend on God above everything else. God wants us to worship God above everything else. And it's not that God is just a jealous God that can't handle our attention going to other things. No, it's that God is about love. And when we are focused on God's love for us, we are more likely to act in ways that are loving toward ourselves and to others. God put that commandment, thou shalt not have other gods, as number one, because God knew that if we were not focused on God first, we were not really gonna pay attention to the rest of the rules. I follow rules when they make sense to me. I will look for a marked crosswalk when the street is busy. I will listen for my airline zone when I've got like three car seats and an infant strapped to me and it makes sense to me that I get to go first. But I don't always pay attention when the why behind the rule is not clear. And God knows this about us. That's why God starts with the why. The why for the law is that God loves us. God loves all of us. So God doesn't want us coveting our neighbor's stuff because God cares about our neighbor and God wants us to care about our neighbor too. God knows we won't get it unless we get into the mind of God until we understand that God's law for us is actually God's love for us. You and I, we make choices every day. Today, are we gonna live for God or are we gonna be driven by someone else's attention? Today, am I gonna trust God fully my whole life or am I gonna rely on myself most of the time? In verse 19, second sentence, it reads, choose life. Choose life so you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast. And I think it's a really good reminder that we aren't just living for ourselves. I need that reminder. Why take the crosswalk? Well, because there are other eyes watching. And even though it's very safe for me to take this calculated risk, that's kind of fun for me, there are other eyes watching and it might not be as safe for them in another circumstance. Choose life so that we may live, yes, but also so that those coming after us may live. Choose life by loving God so that we can experience God's love for us fully, which is a gift. Choose life by holding fast to God. The word of the Lord for us says, hold fast to the Lord, and I think it's on purpose. God knows that it's hard to love God all the time, especially when choosing life might look like changing jobs or careers because the one that you're investing in doesn't align with your core goals or your core values. Choosing life may, have to, may look like going to your sister's doctor's appointment and then bracing yourself for the news from the doctor that her cancer has come back. Choosing life may mean asking where God is in your infertility or your relationship status or the kid that just won't answer the phone call. Choosing life means modeling your faith as shaky as it may be for your kids to see and push back on because that's the way they're gonna know how to look for God in their own lives. Choosing life may mean stepping up in a family system regardless of birth order to take responsibility 
for a sick family member who needs care. God doesn't say it's easy. No, God puts forth life and prosperity, death and adversity. God says, you have a choice. Choose life. Choose love. Choose God. And for the love of God, once you make that choice, hold on for dear life. Amen.
The sermon response songs always feel somewhat like prayers, but that one especially. Thank you, Risha. Let us pray. God, hold on to us. God, you have promised us life and life abundant. And God, you also give us choices. The big, hairy choices that come around only a few times a year. And the small, seemingly mundane ones that we are faced with daily. And all of our choices help us to remember you and your call to love and the choice to listen before we speak and the choice to be curious before we hate and the choice to be generous before we hoard everything we have for ourselves. Help us to remember you. God, you call us to be a community, a community that subverts the powers of sin, greed, and violence. Help us every day to choose to be that community. Loving God in the places of our life when our choices are limited, in the pain of the ICU room, the fear of family court, the darkness under the overpass, and the loneliness we all feel in these places, be with us, God. Comfort us and help us to comfort one another as your beloved community. God, for all that we have on this day, we thank you. For all that we are made in your image, we thank you. God, for all that you are, we thank you. And for your son, Jesus the Christ, we thank you. For it is he who taught us to pray, saying together now, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. I now invite you to stand as you are able as we say together the affirmation of faith, which comes from the Apostles' Creed. So, beloved community, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we sing our final hymn. 
God puts forth life and prosperity, death and adversity, as much as possible, choose life. Love the Lord your God. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.